Good morning. It's, it's good to be here this morning. It was a little bit different waking up this morning and hearing the rain outside. It's not quite as nice as seeing the sun shine through, but there is also a refreshment that comes with rain, um, and so we, we also look for that. Uh, I'm going to continue on. We're, we're going through this series of Led by the Holy Spirit, and, and do you know what? This has been one heck of a struggle for me. Um, do you know, I thought I was through this crying phase, but do you know what, I just really feel there's something, there's something really powerful about this that we're going to talk about today. And uh, I, I get to have a Friday now where I get to dedicate time to just, just spending time with God and praying and reading over Scripture. And it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And, and I got to spend a whole heap of time preparing for this on Friday. And I got to the end of the Friday and I hadn't written a single thing down. I thought, that's okay, that's okay, because I've been reading a lot and God's been putting a lot in. It'll be, it'll be okay. I'll just have to come back and do it on Saturday as well. So I was back here all of Saturday. And, and uh, my wife, being a, a brilliant wife, as, as looking after the kids and, and really supporting me, she sends a text and she goes, how's it going? And I go, and she sends a text at 1.30. So I've been down here for about three, four hours. And I, she goes, how's it going? I still haven't put a single word down on the paper. I'm like, I'm really, really struggling now. And uh, it, didn't t- it was about 2.30 before I put anything down. Anything at all. So this could be absolutely, anything could come out today. This could be an absolute mess. But what I wanted to tell you is that actually, even in my struggle, there was moments of meeting with the Holy Spirit. It changes lives. And it's not so much what I'm saying. In fact, it's not anything I'm saying that's going to actually affect anything. It is the Holy Spirit. And without Him, we've got nothing. We don't have a church. We don't have anything. And if this isn't making sense to you, if you don't know the gospel, if you're, if you're not a Christian, and, and even if you call yourself a Christian, but you have not experienced, seen the risen Christ, so vivid that you think it's real, if you have not got to that point, I would say you have not really, really got the gospel. If you don't have that, then, then you're missing out on the best bits of Christianity. You know, Christianity has got nothing to do with what we should or shouldn't do. That's not what it's about. The good bits about Christianity is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, about being in relationship with God. The gospel, I urge you, if you do not know the gospel, don't leave without finding out. And then you get to get, join in all the good stuff. You don't just see all the stuff that's on the outside, all the do's and don'ts. Once you enter in, you get to see the life. You get to have life. But for those of you who do understand the gospel, I want to remind you that we never go past the gospel. Never. We never, 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 never move on from the gospel. We don't hear the good news. We don't hear this unbelievable, 
outworking of God's love for us and then go, now I'm going to go into deeper and better theological stuff. I'm going to go into greater things of God. If there is anything greater, there isn't. We don't move past the gospel. And so what I'm talking about today starts with the gospel and it'll end with the gospel and all the way through is going to be the good news that Jesus saves. Because that's the only thing that matters. It's the only thing that changes our lives. It's the only thing. The reason we don't move past the gospel, because in Romans 1.16 it has this beautiful, beautiful phrase. For it is the power of God for salvation to anyone who believes. That's what the gospel is. We never, never move past it, Christians. We enter through the gospel, we dwell in the gospel, we live in the gospel, we love, we love the gospel. You can't hear it too much. You can't. We need to just be that aroma of the gospel in our lives. That's what we need. It needs to permeate in every single bit of our being, the gospel. And the reason we start with the gospel is because the gospel is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And if we don't start with the gospel, then we'll never get to meet the the reason for it all. We start at the gospel so we get to meet the risen, the risen saviour. That's why we start at the gospel. And that's why I'm starting there. Because if we don't meet Jesus, listen here, if you don't meet Jesus, you cannot, you cannot be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. So you must come first to Christ and then you can have the Holy Spirit. And in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that's where life actually starts to get exciting. In fact, that's where life starts. And so first we must first come, come, come to Jesus. So the the topic I'm supposed to be talking on today (laughs) is led by the Holy Spirit in what we say. Led by the Holy Spirit in what we say. And I believe that there's at least three criteria we must fulfill before we can be led by the Holy Spirit in what we say. And the first criteria I've mentioned, and that is that we need to know Jesus. And not just hear about him. This, This is not just a... I have heard about this person called Jesus. No, this is seeing the risen Christ. That's, that's knowing the reality of Christ alive in us. Not just hearing it, but knowing it. First, that's the first criteria. We must. We must be followers of Christ. We, we must be Christians. And the second criteria is that we need to know the Holy Spirit. And the third criteria is that our lives should demonstrate this transforming power of God. I believe if we don't live up to these three criteria at least, we will, we will really struggle to say anything led by the Holy Spirit. Certainly the first two, we, cannot, we can't do it without those two. And the third one, I believe, is just our response to what, what God has done. As simple as that. But it's important, the order is important. We don't do stuff first, and then receive the Holy Spirit, and then we see Christ. Or we don't receive the Holy Spirit, and then do some stuff, and then Christ turns up. Or it, The order is important. Unless it's Christ first, Holy Spirit next, the works don't matter. Jesus, Holy Spirit, 
Life demonstrating that power. The order is important. Now, if we had time, and I realise that we don't, I would have read through all of John's uh, chapter 14, 15 and 16 because they are just absolutely astounding when you're starting to look at the Holy Spirit. And, and I would, if you've, if you've got some time this week, I would just encourage you, read those three chapters. Just read them and read them and reread them and read them again. And when you've done reading them, read them some more. Because they do you so much good. And you will see some insights into the Holy Spirit that you may not have picked up before. And it'll do you good. But we're not going to read through them, they're too long. But I'm going to pick out some things that just come through on those ones, especially chapter 14 and 16. And these verses, they, they, they are so much about the Trinity in them, so much about the Trinity. And I just want to pick up about the Holy Spirit. Now, the thing when we talk about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is, we have the danger of thinking it's the lesser of the persons of God. Or he's a little bit more in the background, he's not quite as upfront of the rest. But we, we, we need to be careful with that because, yes, he, he is always thrusting forth Jesus. Yes, he is always glorifying Jesus, but he is still absolutely, fully, 100% God. All of him. With all the same power, the attributes, attributed to God is also to the Holy Spirit. So we need to, although, although he is the one who works in the background so much, we need to know that he is fully, all-powerful God. So in these verses, we see things like the Holy Spirit is sent by the Father, but he is also sent by the Son. He is like Jesus. And Jesus actually describes, he says, I send another like me. I send a, 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 the, a helper like me. And in fact, the wording of it, he says, the same as. I send one the same as me. So when you see the Holy Spirit, do you know what? Most of the times you'll think it's Jesus. Because he seems so much like Jesus. And do you know, he loves that. Because that's his role. He is like Jesus. He dwells with and in us. This is the Holy Spirit. What is, what's some of his functions? He will convict the world. He will teach us and bring to remembrance all that Jesus has said. He will not speak on his own authority, but on Jesus's. He will only speak what Jesus says. He will glorify Jesus. You see a pattern there, can't you? What's the Holy Spirit always doing? Have you seen this guy, Jesus? Man, he's amazing. Have you seen Jesus? When you start to look at these verses, you can start to see what the relating pattern here between the Holy Spirit and as an interesting thing starts to occur, you see, the Holy Spirit was sent by Jesus. We have been sent by Jesus. The Holy Spirit bears witness to Jesus. We bear witness to Jesus. What is, what is this trying to say? The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. Woo. We glorify Jesus. The Holy Spirit is like Jesus. Who do we want to be like? Jesus. 
So if we want to achieve any of these things that we would say, this is what we want to do, what do we need? We need the Holy Spirit because he is like Jesus. He is the one who will show us how to glorify Jesus. He is the one who will show us to be like Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit. And when you realize and you start to see this pattern, Christianity is impossible. Christianity is impossible without the Holy Spirit. In fact, I would go as far to say Christianity doesn't exist without the Holy Spirit. It is a vital key for us to know what it is to be a Christian, is to be indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Because without the Holy Spirit, who would there to be to teach us of the things of Jesus or correct our path when we wander? Who would lead us to Jesus? Why, how would we know what life is? How would we know how to glorify Christ? We need the Holy Spirit. And I'm harping on about this because if we, if we, if we, we can't get past this point, there's no use speaking about what we can say if we don't get that we must, must always be in the Holy Spirit. And it's not us surrendering to the Holy Spirit. This, this, this is freedom here, people. It's not us surrendering. It's, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit living his life in us. And it works out. And it'll work out in what we say and what we do. It's not our surrendering that is important anywhere near as much as it is knowing that the life of the Holy Spirit is how we now live. It is the Holy Spirit living in and through us. The Holy Spirit can't just be part of our life. It has to be the main part of our life. You know, we can never have too much of the Holy Spirit because do you know what? The true, the true nature of the Holy Spirit is the more and more you get of the Holy Spirit, do you know what you'll do? You'll speak more and more about Jesus. The more and more you get of the Holy Spirit, do you know what you'll do? You'll glorify Jesus more. Joe, the more if you get the Holy Spirit, you'll be pointing towards Jesus. Your life will just be about Jesus. You can't get too much of the Holy Spirit. You can't. You can't focus on him too much because as soon as you look at the Holy Spirit, you're seeing Christ. And if you're not seeing Christ, then are you looking at the Holy Spirit? Because that's what you should be seeing. Christ, Jesus Christ all the time. The Holy Spirit is a power that transforms our lives. And he leads us into what it means to live for Christ. So that's the second criteria. You need the Holy Spirit. And the third one is this demonstrating a life transformed. I'm just going to read 1 Thessalonians 1, 5 to 10. And this is a, this is, yeah, it's great. Let me read it. It says, this is Paul speaking, the Apostle Paul. He says, Our gospel came to you not only in words, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. That's the Holy Spirit there, right? Holy Spirit. Full conviction. That's his role, is to convict. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word with much affliction, with the joy of the Holy Spirit, 
so that you became an example to all believers in Macedonia. In Macedonia, For not only was the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning you the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Here's this church. They're a demonstration of what happens when the Holy Spirit comes in, when they encounter Christ, when they see Jesus glorified, they are filled with the Holy Spirit, and their lives are radically changed. And they're changed. And it's not just those friends around them that see it. It's all the believers in all of Macedonia heard about it. And even to the point that Paul, Paul says, we didn't even need to say anything. We just go, they're going, well, what's, what's this Jesus about? Paul just goes, have you seen that church? Have you seen them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what Jesus does. You see, when the Holy Spirit, that's, his role is to convict this world. He's come here, he comes to the uh, Thessalonians and convicts. And from that, we see a transformed life. And this is, a, this is what's important as well. If our life doesn't show the transformed work of, of the Holy Spirit, then we need to go back one stage. Have we really met the Holy Spirit? Or have we really encountered Jesus? And that's where we need to, so we need to start there. We need to. Their transformed lives proved the power of the gospel. Their transformed lives proved the power of the gospels. And the Thessalonians, they were fulfilling that verse in John 14, 15. It says, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If we put it in the context of the Thessalonians, this is what it would probably sound like from their point of view. Because you are keeping my commands, it is demonstrating to everyone that you love me. Do you see that? Because your life is showing that you're obeying me, everyone knows that you love me. That's how it should be. That's the way it works. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. It's not, uh, oh, great. I've got to go. Do you know what? I've got to keep some commands just so I can show I love you. How horrible would that be if you had to do that to someone? Do you know, I'm going to show you I love you because I'm going to do some stuff for you. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. But if I said to you, if I, if I, if I do stuff for my wife, I don't really need to say much. It shows that I'm loving her. I don't have to go around saying, look people, look what I did. I did this for my wife. It shows that I love her. But that doesn't, it doesn't work that way. People won't care. In fact, people will go, he's a bit arrogant, isn't he? <laughs> Our actions show that we love Jesus. So the first criteria is to know Christ is to be followers of Jesus Christ. The second criteria is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And the third criteria 
is that our lives demonstrate the transforming power of God. So that's the intro, and we've got 15 minutes to get the rest done. So, <laughs> so now to the actual question. Being led by the Holy Spirit in what we say. Well, we need to look at two aspects of that. is how to know what to say and how to know when to say it. Okay, I'm going to try and go through this. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm going to tr- so just to, just, this is not a Christian apologetics on, how, on knowing what to say. This is not about me trying to say, when you ask this question, you can give them this answer. There's not, nothing to do with that here at all. Okay? If you want to do that kind of stuff, many, many better people that are going to be able to give you so much more uh, than I'll be able to do. And, and we don't even have a fraction of the time to go that way. But what I, want to, what I do want to show you is that what your words will sound like when they are Holy Spirit-led. So we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 3. And this is Paul speaking. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. We know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So here the apostle, he is talking to the believers at the church in Corinth. And it is about, so it is about reassuring them that any manifestation of the Holy Spirit is actually going to glorify Jesus. You, you could, don't be afraid that if someone starts talking in a strange language or it's going to be cursing Jesus, it won't. It can't. If it's from the Holy Spirit, all it can do is glorify Jesus. So I know he, in this, that's, that's the main context he's trying to do, is reassure the Corinthians that the manifestations of the Holy Spirit is only ever going to glorify Jesus. But it does give us an insight into how the Holy Spirit works. And, I, and it says that the Holy Spirit will say that Jesus is Lord. And if your words are declaring, not so much in you saying Jesus is Lord, but in the way you in the, in the way you say it, in the heart you come with, and, and in, in how you deliver it, if it's saying Jesus is Lord in, in how you're doing it, actually that is Holy Spirit-led. Because the Holy Spirit can only ever, ever say Jesus is Lord. So this is a great framework for us to start with. If we've got this understanding, then when we're talking to people, what we're trying to do is what the Holy Spirit does. What does the Holy Spirit do? Immediately he points to Jesus. Immediately, Jesus. That's where he points, straight away. And, we've got, and the Apostle John in, in 1 John 4, 2, he also says this, he says, the Spirit of God, uh, he says, you know the Spirit of God because he will point to the full humanity of Jesus and also the full deity of Jesus. You know it's the Holy Spirit because he'll, fu- he'll point that Jesus is both fully man and fully God. You know you're speaking, being led by the Holy Spirit, when you are exalting Jesus in the fullness of who he is, fully man and fully God, because that's what the Holy Spirit does. It doesn't mean that every second word we said has to, has to say Jesus. It doesn't mean that everything we say has to be super spiritual but it does 
shape the manner in which we say it. It does shape the heart in which we say it. We don't come to try and argue. We don't come to give opinions. That's not our opinions. Our opinions don't matter. Do you know that? My opinions don't matter. Your opinions don't matter when it comes to talking about God. Do you know all that matters? All that matters is Jesus. All that matters is what the Scripture says and what the Holy Spirit says about Jesus. Our opinions need to be left behind. Yeah. Our opinions don't matter at all. The reason our opinions don't matter is because we get into an argument then. And we miss the whole purpose of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's job. In fact, you know what it says about John the Baptizer? You know what it says? That he was to be baptized, he was to be filled with the Holy Spirit from birth, and his role was to turn the people of God back to him. To turn the people back to God. The Holy Spirit's role is to turn people to Jesus. It always has been, all through the Old Testament. Every time a prophet comes out in the Old Testament, and sometimes it's, all they seem to be you know, speaking is death and destruction. And you, you read some of the stuff and you're thinking, that don't seem like it's pointing to God. Surely can't see any Christ in that. But do you know what it's trying to do? It's giving the opportunity for repentance so that people will stop doing this and turn to God and that they may be saved. Now they would actually know what life is about. And they wouldn't continue on that, that road that will lead to destruction. The Holy Spirit always, always, always points to Jesus. Whenever you're speaking, you will know, you will know it is Holy Spirit led because it will have the flavor of Christ all over it. It will be all about showing someone Christ. And I'm not even talking about, we may even use the words Jesus. So I'm not even saying that here, people. But people, but when you speak, they, they will know that this is different. This is, this is not what I normally hear people arguing about. This is not religion. The Holy Spirit always points to Jesus. That is how you know that what you're saying is Holy Spirit-led. How do you know when to say it? Knowing when to say it relies entirely on our walk with God. If we are not walking daily with Christ, if we are not walking daily in the Holy Spirit... I've got, no more, I've got nothing more to offer you. There is nothing else to, to help you in knowing when to say it. It is our life lived out with Christ that will prepare us to know when to say it and sometimes when to shut up. So those are the three criterias. Know Christ indwelling of the Holy Spirit, 
our lives demonstrating the transforming power of God. Now, I, want to, I just want to quickly go through uh, one example. <laughs> there's, there's, there's many examples through Scripture, and we could go through a lot of them. I'm just going to quickly go to the one of um, Peter and um, John that, uh, that Steve mentioned, not Simon, Steve, that Steve mentioned um, today, of the one where they were in the courts... Um, and I just want to give a quick background because before they led up to this, Peter and John are doing what they normally do. It's just, for them, it was just an ordinary day. They were going to the temple to pray. That's all they're doing. And as they're going there, they walk past a lame man. Now, they've done this before. This is not the first time they've gone to the temple. This is not the first time they've gone past this guy. But it seems like the first time they spoke to him. Don't know why. Maybe it's the first time he asked anything from him. But the, the beggar asked with expectation that he's going to receive something. And then and we know the amazing story of they say, got nothing, but what I do have is this. Come on, get up and walk. And this guy was miraculously healed. Now, the miracle was that he could walk again, but the thing that shocked all the people was he had been there 40 years, begging each day for 40 years. Everyone in the temple would have known Ben the beggar. Everyone would have known him. They would have passed by him daily. So when they see this guy, they recognize him because they've seen him so much, they know who he is. And here he is dancing and jumping and praising God and clinging, it says clinging, to Peter and John. And the whole crowd, it says the whole temple court, rushed over to where Peter and John were. And they're astonished. You can imagine the, the questions that are coming out. What? What's happened? How did this do? How did you do this? Who did this? What did you say? You can imagine just the. Well, we've known this guy for forty years. He's never been out. He's never walked. Never. How does he even know to leap about? Miracle upon miracle this is. And all the people come. This is the first indication of when, when we should say something. Because the people were asking. The people wanted to know. The first indication of when we should speak is because people want to know what it's about. And then, after this, Peter didn't go into the temple, started going, look, I want to tell you all about this. People were rushing up saying, what's happened? And then he speaks. And what does he do when he speaks? He points to Christ. He points to Christ. Now the story goes on. I'll get to the bit that I really want to look at. And the story goes on that it upset some people, actually. It upset the Sanhedrin. It upset the religious rulers of the time. So they grab him and John and they chuck him in in prison, they hold him overnight. And the next day, they bring him out and put him in the midst of the Sanhedrin, which is a, like the Jewish high court. This is kind of like where they, they make rulings over whether uh, what the people have done is right or wrong, normally in regards to religious matters. And they put him in their midst. And it's interesting. Have you seen what they say? I'll read it. It's Acts 4, 7 to 12. And it says, they, 
they uh, set them in the midst, in the midst of the Sanhedrin, and they inquired. So who's starting this conversation here? Sanhedrin. They inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? And I'm thinking, this is kind of like Peter's probably going, my goodness, you couldn't have done a better question. (laughs) What a question. That is a brilliant question. Well, do you know what? Let me answer it. We read on. This is what Peter says. Then Peter, this is a bit here, people. Listen to this. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Do you notice that? Filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I can... The first thing Peter does is point straight back to Christ. You are, that's a brewing question. Let me tell you about Jesus. Holy Spirit led... And not only that, see, the other thing with with Holy Spirit-led is there is always an opportunity for people to encounter Jesus. There is always an opportunity for people's lives to be transformed. That last bit, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That was the call to the Sanhedrin to put their faith in Jesus. Peter was not there to win an argument. He didn't care less. His opinion didn't matter. He was there to point to Christ and then say, you too are included. You too can be saved. Only through Christ. Peter knows Jesus. Peter has the Holy Spirit. Peter is living a transformed life. And when asked, once friendly from the crowd, once hostile, but always he points towards Jesus because that is what the Holy Spirit does. We've ran out of time. I would have loved to go on through so many more examples, but... We can't, and that's okay, that's okay. They're there are in your Bible, you can read them, they're great. I really recommend also reading the, the story of Stephen. That is a brilliant one about the Holy Spirit, really is good as well. But I want to just finish up. I want to say that actually speaking the truth is also costly. It got Peter beaten, it got Stephen killed. But if all you see is the cost, you've missed the whole point. We no longer live for ourselves. Our lives are hidden in Christ. We live for Jesus. I live for Jesus. If we don't know the glory of the Son, we will not be willing to bear the cost.
We must encounter Jesus, people. We must. I also want to just say, before, as in finishing, that we must remember that the results are not up to us. We don't own the results. We are only responsible for our, react, our actions and our response to the Holy Spirit, but he is 100% responsible for the results. Sometimes it may be like Peter. When he spoke in the temple, 5,000 men were saved. 5,000 people encountered the risen Jesus in their lives. Or sometimes it might be like Stephen and it feels like death has won. But the reward is not in the speaking. The reward is in knowing and being known by God. It is being used in his purposes. It's, it's being able to glorify him through the Holy Spirit. That's the reward, not the results. We need to lift our heads. We need to look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. The results are he's and he's alone. Now, I'm not an expert in this, and I get this wrong more than I get it right. But this thing I do know is that when we're led by the Holy Spirit in what we say, we will always point to Jesus with hope that people will encounter him and their lives would be transformed. This is the statement that Jesus fulfilled. Luke 4.18 says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. That verse there encapsulates it all. The Spirit of the Lord points to Jesus. Why? So that the captives may be set free. So that we may proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. So that we may say, God is good. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we... uh, We're in desperate need of you. And this is not from a place of someone who who has got stuff figured out. This is is me from a place who is just desperate for the Holy Spirit to, to work in my life more. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would invite the Holy Spirit to consume more of our life that we would become representations of Jesus, that people would see us and immediately they can't help but start to look and see Jesus, that the Holy Spirit would so anoint and cover us, that his life would be lived so powerfully through us that Jesus is revealed in, in all that we do, whether we speak or not. People know that there is something more to life. I pray encouragement on the people today, that their hearts would be uplifted, that they would know that encountering the Holy Spirit is the most rewarding, satisfying, exciting thing that can ever happen. 
I pray that we would push into you, Holy Spirit, and that we would say to you, show us Jesus. Show us Jesus. Show us the risen Christ. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, anoint us to point to Jesus. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys.